Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection with your hosts, Rico Shields and Jean Victoria Norlock. Bringing your inner life to your everyday life. Welcome, everybody, to this Thursday edition of Everyday Connection. As usual, I'm Rico Shields. Not quite as usual, off to my left, but not with us, is Jean Victoria Norlock. She is uh, still down with the illness uh, of some sort. Uh, she said, you know, she has that piece called Make Friends with Your Virus. Or it's the virus got shafted, but the, it talks about that you should make friends with your virus. And she said, I'm definitely having great difficulty making friends with this virus. And she's never missed two shows in a row except for when she moved and didn't have Internet. And uh, uh, so we all want to send peaceful and loving thoughts up for Jean because this is unusual. She's got to be crawling around to not get on the radio because, like myself, it's two of her highlights of the week, Tuesday and Thursday. And we hope for you guys, too. Uh, but you don't have to listen to us talk about current events and stuff too much. Uh Maybe she was afraid I was going to talk about the election. I don't know. Um, the only thing I was, I, I was glad that it was a real decision and not something that happened in courts, no matter who was the favored in the decision. I just want it to be a decision and be over with. And then to be over with, could we, the ads and the fibs and the games and the, enough, you know, I don't have a television, so I guess it really doesn't bother me that much, but I see them on the, on the net too. And uh, so now we're getting real news again, so, like um, the U.S. military is phasing out after 50 years, I believe, their marine mammal programs. And that's where they have trained uh, both seals and dolphins to uh, hunt for mines and destroy those mines. And, of course, they, they swear they've never taught them to actually set mines or do anything that would kill anybody. They're only there to save lives. But... Mm, you know, they would never leave out part of the truth or anything, the government. Um, but they expect by 2017 that they'll have them replaced with robots. And, of course, the military's doing it because the robots are cheaper. But I'm glad they're doing it because the dolphins and seals can all retire and go home. Um, and I don't know how dolphins got tied up into a war machine to begin with. They wouldn't want anything to do with that. They don't even fight wars at sea with, like, oh, They'll bop a shark in the nose if it's trying to eat a human, and they, and you've called for help. But a lot of times they'll do that. But uh, anyway, I was glad to see that. Uh, hopefully, within the next five years, the dolphins will be uh, retired. I don't know if they're going to turn them loose. It didn't say that. I made a post on Facebook earlier, and people were like, "Well, they can't just set them free. They don't know how to hunt." And they, I'm like, "Oh." <clears throat> 
that old adage, how do you start a fight on Facebook? Express an opinion? Wait. That's the only two steps. Uh, but we have a great show tonight, and um, I hope Jean is either listening, or I know she'll be listening to the podcast, if not, uh, because it's one of her uh, favorite subjects, will be part of the show tonight. Uh, we have with us uh, Mercedes Kirkle, who uh, has does some work with Mary Magdalene, has a book uh, out. Uh, Mary Magdalene Beckins, Join the River of Love, which uh, I'm all for the love, whether it's rivers, roads, trees, that love. Um, so we're looking forward to that. Mercedes, welcome. How are you? Hi, Rick. I'm good, and I'm glad to be here. And sorry that Jean isn't feeling well. Well, I am too, but it didn't strike me until you and I were chatting just a few moments ago. Uh, it being one of her favorite subjects, maybe this is one of those shows she's supposed to sit back and listen to. Uh, of course, when she's here, she gets to ask her questions, and she'll be able to listen to this. And Why didn't you ask so-and-so? And like, I, I, I'm not you. Uh, <laughs> well, then you'll have to have me back when she's here. Oh, I'm sure we'll have you back, and hopefully she'll be here, because this is uh, awkward without my feminine balance over there. Uh. So I will do my best to uh, to do my gene uh, impersonation or impression and, uh, <laughs> and ask her now infamous uh, first question, which is the only uh, – it's actually two questions. I don't know why she always calls it the first question, because it's actually two questions, but – it's the way we start every show, and it's the only questions that we have planned, and that is, so, Mercedes, who the hell are you, and what do you do? <laughs> Very good question. <laughs> well, I am an author. I became an author after my experience with Mary Magdalene, and um, that's what I'm most interested in sharing and talking about. Um, I can take it back a little further than that. I am someone who's been very involved, very moved by spirituality my whole life. And it really started at a very young age. And um, I like to tell this story because I didn't realize for a long time that this was really part of this whole process. But now I definitely see the connection. So one of my early, early experiences was when I was 12 years old. And I grew up in Midwest America. At that time, I was living in a suburb of Chicago. And when I was 12, I started to have memories come to me of having been with Jesus in the desert, having walked with him, having been part of the group around him. In these visions that I had, I saw that there were about 100 people following him, which back at that time, which was, you know, over 40 years ago, uh, people didn't talk about that part of his life very much or even, you know, it, most of the visions of Jesus were Jesus and 12. Jesus and 12, yeah. Right. So seeing a 100 people around him was even unusual, and there were men and women, definitely, and I was one of them. There was an inner circle that was closest to him. I wasn't part of that inner circle, but I was part of the group that was with him. And my family was Jewish, um, but weren't particularly religious. Um, 
And so I never shared this with my family. I didn't share it with anyone, actually, because I didn't know anyone who would understand or who would really relate to it. And that, you know, when you're 12 years old, that doesn't seem a problem. So I just kept it to myself. And eventually it receded into the background, and I kind of forgot about it for many, many years. And then fast forward, and I'm a young adult and still very interested in spirituality. And um, in my early 20s, become part of a very serious uh, spiritual community that I was part of for 17 years. And um, went on from there to a second spiritual community. And in that second one, I underwent a very profound awakening um, into an awakening into who I was and what what my relationship to the divine was, really my union with the divine. And that for me was very much the fulfillment of my spiritual seeking for all those years. And so it was a little bit of a crisis in some ways. It was a wonderful thing and it was also a little bit of a crisis because all of a sudden I was like, okay, what do I do with my life now? Because my life had been all about this quest. (laughs) Right. I know that feeling. Oh, wow, what do we do now? Yeah. And what happened was I I had a couple visions actually and they ended up taking me to Hawaii. And um I spent 10 years in Hawaii was got my spirituality was still very much the center of my life and it took a different focus in Hawaii. I got very much in connected to the earth and the spiritual relationship with the earth which was new for me. You know, I had been indoors most of my whole life before then, meditating and doing everything that I was doing. So that was very wonderful. And also in Hawaii during that time, I started to have more messages come from spirit. They were still very occasional and they would just be, you know, usually something very simple, something brief. But I started awakening to that, which was also quite new for me. And then at the after I had been in Hawaii for 10 years, this brings us up to the fall of 2009, I received one of my messages from Spirit, and the message was that it was time to leave the Big Island. Now, I thought that I was going to live in Hawaii the rest of my life. I loved Hawaii, was very happy there. So I checked this message out three times because I really wanted to be sure I was understanding it correctly. <laughs> And are you sure that I got that part right? Exactly. Yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> Any other options here? <laughs> Message was very consistent, so I decided to follow it because I had seen from past experiences that whenever I followed the messages I received, I was guided to whatever was the very best in that particular circumstance. This was probably the biggest thing that had been asked of me but I was willing. So I left the Big Island. I took a few months and, you know, closed up my life, completed my affairs, and I left in the spring of 2010. But the message had not told me where I was supposed to go, and I didn't know where I was supposed to go. So I went and visited my family on the mainland and spent time visiting different people, did a little bit of travel, going to some sacred sites, And all the while kept asking, where am I supposed to go? Where am I supposed to live now? 
And about four months passed, and finally I was um, guided to Santa Fe, New Mexico. And as soon as I arrived here, I knew this was the place I was supposed to be. The signs were all over the place, and it was crystal clear. You've arrived. This is your new home now. So I came here, and... um, Everything just worked out perfectly for me. It was like the red carpet just rolled out and everything I needed just came to me immediately and simply. So I found a place to live and within the first couple of days that I was there, I was meditating one morning and all of a sudden I started to feel a very strong presence all around me and this presence was obviously very benign, very wonderful felt, you know, like a fantastic sense of whatever it was I didn't know. And I especially felt it centered in my throat. And I had a sense that I was blocking it, that there was something in my throat that was keeping this presence from coming through and doing whatever it was that it wanted to do. And so I put all my intention on whatever I needed to do to release any blockage, any obstruction in me so that this presence could come through. And all of a sudden, a voice started speaking through me. And I had never experienced this before of a voice coming through me in this way. And immediately, there was a communication to me telepathically, which means that it was given directly to my brain, that this was the voice of Mary Magdalene. But even so, with that communication, I instantly felt doubt. I was like, oh, yeah. how, how could this be? Why would Mary Magdalene be coming to me and why me? Why would she choose me? And the first words that she spoke were addressing my doubt. The first thing she said to me was, I am here. Do not doubt my presence. Doubt is part of your mind. I am here to help free you from your doubting mind. Now, to me, that was so powerful because doubt has always plagued me. It was always one of my biggest challenges spiritually and in in all arenas of life. I struggle a lot with doubt and especially self-doubt. And so I knew she was talking very directly to me. But at the same time, I had the sense that she was talking to many, many people who are like me, who struggle with doubt the way I do, and that this was bigger than just me that she was speaking to. So that relaxed me. And then she went on from there to give an amazing message. And I had never received anything like this before, where she was just giving this brilliant spiritual discourse that was absolutely perfect and delivering it to me. (laughs) And by the end, um, it was quite, it was developed, it was fairly lengthy, and by the end, she gave her, at the end, she gave her closing, which, um, which, which she said to me something very loving at the end, and then she said, I am Mary Magdalene. And that was the completion. And then I just sat there completely transported in bliss. 
I listen awe. I was amazed at what had just happened. And the bliss was that not only did she give me this exquisite message, but I could feel her presence. I could feel her energy. And it was so blissful. And so I was just like in a puddle by the end. Mm. Until... <laughs> I had a thought. <laughs> oh, those thoughts again. Those thoughts. And the thought was, I'm not going to remember what she said. And that was totally disturbing to me and actually unacceptable. What she had said was so brilliant and so profound, and I felt like I had to record this. So without even thinking beyond that, I immediately said to her, would you repeat that message so I can type it into my computer? And she said, yes. I went and got my computer, and she gave me the entire message verbatim again. And what that did for me was two things. First, obviously, I was able to record the message. But much more importantly, at least for me, was that it, completely allayed my remaining doubt that this was real and that this was actually Mary Magdalene talking to me because I could not have done that. I could not have recreated that message word for word exactly the way that she did. Right. You were, you were doing what you were doing because you were concerned you were, you were you were probably already forgetting bits of it. I, channeling is like that for me if, if, if it's just spoken to someone else or even you know, tape recorded. I, I know it was really good, and, and and probably in the first ten seconds, if you ask me, I might remember something. But it's kind of like a dream, or it it just kind of goes away somewhere. <clears throat> I don't know. Right. So that was my first experience of Mary Magdalene communicating to me. And what happened was over the course of a month, she continued to come daily. By the end of the month, I had 25 messages. And I didn't realize it, but that, but she was giving me a book. I didn't realize it when I got that first message. But that first message was actually her thesis statement. It was the first chapter of the book. And she continued to give message after message of these amazing spiritual discourses that had a perfect form and flow to them. She had all... She just delivered a book, and in virtually perfect form, I made the tiniest little changes to what she said where I thought that, you know, it might be, it it might confuse people if, you know, I might change just some very tiny thing, but virtually it came out the way it is in the book, perfect. And that was part of the magic to me that she could do that because I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> right. I never studied story structure this tightly, and this is the thesis development solution. What? What? I um, I've not ever written a book that way. Gene has, but uh, uh, and and poor Gene didn't know what that was about. She had never. Uh, she had always had what she felt was a rich spiritual relationship, but she had never heard anything about channeling or any of that. Uh, she didn't meditate. People had told her she should, but she never did. And, and uh, so that must have been crazy, crazy. But it's crazy enough when you know what it is or have heard of it. Because you don't, 
I would say nobody really knows what it's like anyway, unless they experience it. Right. And because I had gotten these very small messages from spirit, I had the orient and my spiritual background too. I had the orientation of both trusting what felt like it was coming through that and and discernment. I had discernment relative to the feeling of it that I could feel this was something of the light and mm. the quality of love was unmistakable. And I had discernment relative to the message coming through and it was so clearly a message of light and love that I did know to trust it. There was no question in my mind relative to that. But the part for me that was really different was that I I wasn't a Christian. I didn't have a relationship to Mary Magdalene that I was aware of until this started. And um and I was not familiar with the Bible. I've never read the Bible. And when she made certain references that too were um, you know, related to something in the Bible because I live in the United States, I you know, people talk about Hard the Bible. Hard to miss, yeah. Right. I do know some things, but I don't know specifics in particular. So I would ask my friends, does this line up with what's in the Bible? Is this, you know, accurate what she's saying? And they would they would always confirm it and say, yes, yes, don't worry. But I didn't know that. So that was the part that was completely new for me. Yeah. Yeah, Jean talks about her... Uh... Yeah, I was the one that introduced her, I guess, to, to channeling. I sent her a Abraham Hicks video, a video of Esther. Mm-hmm. And and she typed back to – I put it on a social network that she was running a Ning social board. And she popped up on my Skype and was like, that's them. That's them. That's them. <laughs> that's who wrote my book. <laughs> and – because she said, she said, yeah, what they're, I don't know. What what were they talking about in the video? It was when she stu- when she saw it, it felt right. And it was from the feeling that she was like, that's them. Exactly. Yes. And my sense is that, you know, these beings that I consider higher dimensional beings, that that's more the way they communicate to each other or in their natural condition that this using language the way we do, they do for our sake. Mm. And they're having to put it into a form that makes sense to us, but they're much more uh, intuitive, telepathic, and feeling-based. Right, right. Uh, I think it's Bashar that calls it, um, uh, instead of telepathic, he calls it tel-empathic. Oh, I like that. <laughs> and that his people are all tell empathically linked. And uh and it, it it I liked it the first time that I heard I was like, that makes more sense. Uh because even when I was young it the idea of being able to communicate without speaking never seemed odd to me when I was little. Mhm. But then when they would talk about reading someone's mind I would be like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> and because that didn't make any sense to me. But the other made perfect sense to me. And um, I, I never had any, uh, that I at least that I can recall, uh, you know, outside of 
invisible friends uh, that weren't so invisible to me. I thought they were there, but um, nothing like wandering through the desert with Jesus. But uh, there were always certain topics that just, they either, it, it, it was either like, uh-huh, yeah, that's right, with uh-huh. no earthly idea how I, where did, what did that, or what, that's not, that's not, or as Jean would say, she'd look at people and go, uh, people would talk about Jesus or things that he did, and she would go, he, that's not the way it was. <laughs> and, and and then she would think, what? How do that's, I know that? <laughs> am I crazy? <laughs> yes, that that has come to me too. And I have come to remember more about that lifetime. And... um and have more clarity about things like that. Yes, that that's true. No, that's not true. That's not accurate. That's a misinterpretation. I have and I don't speak about it a lot to most people, but I feel a lot of clarity in myself about that. Yeah, it's, it it's interesting because she talks to me sometimes like I was there with her and perhaps I was because I've always sort of had Feelings about those things, strong feelings about, yeah, no, uh, and certain things that that people kind of, on the average, misunderstood would almost, when I was younger particularly, almost made me angry. I like wanted to get a hold of them and shake them and go, don't you understand? How could that, that doesn't even make sense. (laughs) But... um, it all makes that all makes sense to me now, uh, but uh, at the time it always seemed it didn't seem so much odd to me as it was just sort of like wow that just really honked me off. <laughs> I don't <laughs> right anyway, anyway. We're not we're not going to talk about me and Nestor and friends. <laughs> there was. Um... When I was near completion of the book, um, I started sending out to different authors who'd written especially about Mary Magdalene asking for endorsements because since this was my first book and I'm virtually unknown, um, that's what I was told I should do is try to get endorsements. Right. And, <laughs> and that was a very scary thing for me, right in line with you know my pattern of self-doubt and all. I thought <laughs> they're going to laugh at me. I always thought everyone was going to laugh at me. I've never once received that response from everyone, but anyone. But just my nature, I keep expecting it. So anyway, um, I contacted various authors, and I got some beautiful, wonderful endorsements. I was so thrilled and grateful and touched at what various people said and a number of them and these were people who either channel Mary Magdalene or have written about Mary Magdalene in some form or other and you know the confirmation that this was really her voice and that was especially meaningful to me very meaningful but there was this one couple in England who I wrote to and established a relationship with and um they have written several books about Mary Magdalene and about uh, the Essenes, and um, their names are Stuart Wilson and Joanna Prentice. Uh, their la- latest book that they've just come out with is Power of the Magdalene. And they were so supportive of me, and 
um, at an early stage, I was especially communicating with Stuart, and at an early stage I said to him, I feel like we're family. I feel like we've known each other before. You know, I, I said, maybe we were a, a scenes together. And he wrote back and said, I feel the same thing. I have no question. And um, and they put they put me in their last book that they wrote, and and Mary Magdalene beckons the book, and I, I literally feel so close to them. And I have that sense that a lot of the people who have a connection with Mary Magdalene, Jesus, who I call Yeshua because that was how Mary always referred to him, or their relationship that. We've been together before. This is not a coincidence. We're, we, I feel like we've come back, especially into this lifetime, to help mm-hmm. to help do our work together in community and to support each other and to find each other again and to help birth this new age that we're moving into. And um, I feel, I, I feel a certainty about this. I feel thrilled to be part of it. And so grateful for all the other people who are doing their parts also. Yeah, it is amazing. Um, Jean and I, from practically day one, I referred to her as my sister. And, of course, we're not related by blood, but, you know, except like everybody on the planet, if you go back enough generations, maybe somebody somewhere, (laughs) 57th cousin, 105 times removed. But I've just always, that's my sister. And, right. And even in, uh, uh, early on we did some, besides the Everyday Connection show, we tried Coffee with Source in the morning. And, 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 and in that one it was almost an opinion type show and a griping show. And we don't do it anymore because we don't really gripe so much anymore. But, <laughs> but um we see the point in it. There's still things that we disagree with, but we don't see the point in griping about them. But but somebody would be disagreeing with her, or 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 would make a comment on her uh, on this social network that we were part of, and it it that members of my own genetic family here on the planet, I would not have been any more incensed or defensive, or uh, and 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 that's just at first a little odd, almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, like you said, you just you, 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 it came out of my mouth before I really knew what I was saying um, about the sister thing with her, or I probably wouldn't have said it <laughs> yet because it was I felt that way. But um, it, it's it is a uh, and and we're all connected, and so really we're all brothers and sisters. But it's different. This is different, you know. Right. There are those special connections. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and so many things just, you know, get touched on and then you, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like I, right now I feel like I've been channeling for an hour. I'm I'm vibrating a little bit on the inside and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I sometimes do that during the show. Nestor's always hanging around. Well, he's always here. Um, we talk about that. He and me are really not that different, but but uh, but it's stronger, you know. And uh, and of course, there's always the subject matter and the trying to figure out how to <clears throat> rope myself in and not talk too much without Jane here to shush me. 
<laughs> well, you're doing a very good job. Well, thanks. How about we uh, take a quick break and uh, play some music for folks, and um, then when we get back, we'll get a little bit more into this uh, message about the river of love. Wonderful. Because uh, that's just yummy stuff. I think so. <laughs> so we'll... Uh, Jean would always have me play an earth prayer. And if we get a second break, we'll play earth prayer. But for tonight, I'm going to uh, play Larissa Stowe and the Shakti tribe uh, with their peace prayer song. Instead of earth prayer, it's peace prayer. Mm. Uh, and... Uh, That'll give us about five minutes. So, Ms. Dog Rescuer and Cap and Guest, feel free to fill up your hot tea or your coffee or your whatever. And But turn up the sound and listen because this is a great song. And we'll be right back. Stay with us, folks. Yeah? Sometimes you push a button. Oh, okay.
Welcome back, everybody. And that was our good friend, Laurie Sesto. Uh, you can find her episode early in our archives on everydayconnection.me. Uh, and I've got her link up in the chat room. It's just Larissa, L-A-R-I-S-A, Stowe, S-T-O-W, LarissaStowe.com. And uh, great stuff that she and the Shakti tribe are doing over there. Uh, and uh, big thanks to them for uh, donating some music for the show. We love our indie artists. So, the subtitle of the book... Uh, of course, the, the book is titled Mary Magdalene Beckons, and then subtitle or second line, or I'm sure there's a publishing name for those things. If Bill was here, he'd tell me. But uh, in in movies, that would be a log line, and it's Join the River of Love. Right, that's what's, the subtitle. Okay, what's that all about? Well, that actually came from her very last message, um, and the kind of general flow of the messages was that there were 22 messages where she was really giving the meat and potatoes, if you will, of her message. The her And it's very much instruction. She's instructing us about what she thinks we is blocking us from our spiritual growth and what we need to do to change that so that we can grow into the new age that she wants to help us move into. So that was the first 22 messages. And at the end of that, the, the the last of those, the 22nd, I really had a feeling of her completion, that she had said everything she needed to say, and I thought this might be the last message. And I was feeling very sad about that. I did not want this to come to an end. Right. <laughs> at the same time, I felt like it was really important that this material get out and be available to everyone because I really felt like she had so much help that she was offering. And so I was torn. I wanted to get to getting the book, you know, finished and get it out. And I also wanted it to never stop that she was giving me these messages. (laughs) Right. So um, I wondered is this going is this going to be it is this going to be the end so the next day i i generally receive the messages in the morning the next day i was meditating and opening myself to her and she came again and it turned out that she came that day and she came two more times so that i received three more messages but these last three had a very different quality to it i sensed that she it was almost like she was breathing a sigh of relief like Phew, okay, it's done. It's complete. We did it. And now it was almost like she could let down her guard a little bit. And the first right. the first one that she gave of these last three was a very it was very short and it's my favorite message of the whole book. And it's where she's talking about her love for Yeshua and it's an absolutely exquisite message. And um I felt like she was just giving it as a free gift. She didn't talk about herself or Yeshua a lot in the messages. Her focus was really on us and helping us to grow. And in that, it reminded me a lot of what I believe that she and Yeshua were doing 2,000 years ago when they came. Their focus was on teaching, on helping people to grow in their connection to God. 
and this book is very much the same. She did she did tell some about her life and about her relationship with Yeshua and I always loved those parts and they're beautiful and I had the sense she did it when she felt like it would help us in some way it would um, help us to understand what she was trying to get across when it contributed to the message exactly right but it was all about the message so this one when she talked just about her love for Yeshua it was just so exquisite and in some ways it was like an exclamation point to the message of the whole book because the whole book is about love and how we can incarnate love and she was giving us one of the most beautiful demonstrations of it in my opinion her relationship with Yeshua so that was very beautiful and then the the next message she talked more about sacred sexuality and this was something she had introduced early on in the book and talked about and she went into it further and um, that was a very wonderful message also and as I was getting each of these I kept wondering is this going to be it is this going to be it and (laughs) finally there was one more and very clear that this was the ending because it had such a different quality. It reminded me of Joan of Arc gathering the troops and giving them the rousing speech before they went forth into battle, into their work. Right. And um, in this last message, she's calling all of us to, now we have it, we have what we need to do, go forward and don't hold back. Do your work, grow, change yourself, and change your world. And one of my friends called it her manifesto. It really has that quality. And in the very last um, paragraph of this message, she I, I can read this quote. Let me find it here. She um, actually invites us to join her and all the beings in the river of love. Let me read this part. She says, I and so many others are calling to you to join us in the river of love that flows from your heart. It is a place of great joy and love and peace. It is the place of connection with God, of growing in God, of being guided by God, of living in God, of living as God, of knowing all as God. I do not know of anything more wonderful than that. I do this because I love you, because I know you as God, and I am not different from you. This is your destiny, too. And those were her Mm. completing words. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So, So in the book, she is helping us to understand what we need to do to grow into this disposition of love and living from our hearts in love. And a lot of what she's talking about is what um, she calls the divine feminine and manifesting the divine feminine in ourselves, regardless of whether we're men or women, because we all have the masculine and feminine within ourselves. And so a lot of the book is focused on that, and she has a great deal to say about that. And I see this as a very popular topic right now, that many spiritual teachers are 
referring to. Mm. That this is the time of the divine feminine, the sacred feminine coming forth, leading us into the new age. And she was definitely talking about that. But what seemed quite different to me was that she's extremely specific about what this means. First of all, talking about specifically what is the divine feminine and what does that mean? And then how do we do this? How do we manifest the divine feminine in ourselves? And she was referring to three things in particular um, that for human beings are the foundation of the divine feminine within each one of us. And that is our bodies, our sexuality, and our emotions. And she says that when these three arenas are strong, they form a foundation that allows us to be seated in our heart. And that is the seat of the divine feminine when we're in our fullness within us. And from that place, when we're seated in our heart, we can come into union and harmony and balance with the divine masculine. And so that's what she was really focusing on, was her instruction about how to do that. What do we need to do to be strong in our relationship to our bodies, our sexuality, and our emotions? Absolutely, because it's... uh not surprisingly, a, a somewhat frequent topic around here on uh, Everyday Connection that, you know, guys, relax. We're, nobody's going to turn you into a girl. <laughs> not the point. It's it's balance. And uh, we've been out of balance towards the masculine and she said for so- some time. This is not about overpowering the masculine. This is not about domination. This is about... Um, allowing the feminine to be strengthened so it can come into equality, harmony, and unity with the masculine. And that was definitely her focus. And she specifically said that this new age that we're moving into is the age of unity and that this is one of the primary arenas that it will be manifest in. Um, I would agree. It's... uh, uh People could say, you know, we're moving toward, and some people do, we're moving toward the divine feminine or the time of the divine feminine or the the, the return. It never went anywhere, really. <laughs> um, but it, it, there has been a sort of this pendulum swing, and and it, anybody that stops for a moment and takes a reasonable look at recent history, you know, the last couple of thousand years it's been male dominated it's been the qualities of masculinity dominated um you know more exploration and going forth and production and not nurturing and holding and um uh and i'm not there's no recriminations or judgment in that i i think everything's happened just perfectly because look where we are but um and I believe there was a time when society on this planet was tilted a little farther towards the feminine as well, uh, mm-hmm. prior to this masculine swing. And, um, you know, England may swing like the pendulum do, but so does experience to some extent. And I'm I'm not sure you can actually find true, meaningful balance until you've been out of balance. Uh, well, that that's an interesting concept. Because if you're always in balance, you don't really know what it means. <laughs> yeah, it, it's true. And 
you know, I don't want to tell people I know why we've been all cuckoo, but because some people look at it as crazy, but it's this, uh, you know, body, sexuality, emotions. It's the part that some of the New Age, particularly early on, movements and light workers and light teachers almost left out, and 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 you you just can't. It's we're we're not here to learn how to be non-physical. We right. we, we were that before we got here. We, we got that down. <clears throat> and right. So so I always tell people. I, I, I said, you tell me it must be some tremendous, you know, important thing for channeling to occur because it must take tons of energy and stuff. And I don't know. It's, it it doesn't for me except for you know a big desire to eat chocolate. But um, um, if if that's the case, if it takes intention to incarnate physically, why would you do that so you could learn how to be something that not that? And so there's a reason, and it's you can we call them lots of different names we. Separation. There was really no separation. It's all just pieces of us to start with. But you got to have all the pieces, or the puzzle doesn't look right. Exactly. And she's especially is talking about emotions, and that emotions is, uh, and especially not just any emotions, painful emotions. That this is the arena that many people have bypassed. You know, how do we integrate this into our spirituality or even into life altogether? And um, at one point in the book, she says, do you think this was a design error on God's part that you have these emotions? (laughs) Do you think this was a mistake? (laughs) Oops, slipped up on that. Sorry. (laughs) Didn't mean to throw that one in there. Oops. (laughs) And at another part, she also said that um, we are intended to be leaders um, in the larger universe and maybe even beyond in the emotional realm, the the people on earth, that this is actually something that we specifically were given as our gift, our calling, was to have this exploration and this strength relative to emotions and to be a leader in that arena. And she said, we're still coming up to that. We haven't quite mastered that one yet. But that is a lot of her focus in the book is helping us and she, with this specific area. And one of her main points is that um, our emotions, and in particular our painful emotions, were meant to help us to be a support for us in reconnecting with God when we have gotten disconnected. And that most people don't understand that, never learn that, and instead learned other ways of relating to painful emotions that actually block that. And so a lot of what she's focusing on is helping us to unlearn the wrong programming that we've learned and to learn what will really support and help us. And she sees this for most people as the biggest arena holding us back is our relationship to pain and our painful emotions that we have. Oh, it's huge because uh, integration 
plays a big part in what's going on. And it doesn't mean we're going to integrate all of the bunnies and rainbows and we're going to leave out the thunderstorms and floods. And <laughs> but it, yes. All that is isn't all that is without that, apparently, because it, there it is. And people used to ask me, how do you know it has to be like that? And I said, because it is. <laughs> it's not, you know, it's not like in the movies, you know, when God says, yeah, the avocado, I, I, I screwed that up. It's a funny color and the seed's too big and I'm sorry. It's, it's not, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not like that, guys. And by the same token that we tell people God doesn't make junk, so you're not a mistake, so you have value, so does every, 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 everything else. And... This idea of painful emotions as punishment, as retribution, as see, it's proof that you're bad, evil. And And definitely as being non-spiritual. If you're spiritual, you shouldn't be having those. Right. There should be none of that. It's all, you feel good all the time. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And I don't, I know a lot of people that channel and teach and and are authors, you know, from before the radio show and of course since since then i don't know any of them that feel good all the time you know and and what what that would be just like being in balance before you ever experienced out of balance it would be meaningless it it light doesn't do anything if there's no dark it just is like you don't even you can't you can't even notice it or perceive it cuz it's just always there it's like air around here we don't much think about it cuz it's just there and we breathe. Mm-hmm. Most people, it never crosses their mind that there's air. I think that's how the whole pollution thing got as far out of hand as it did. People just never thought about it. Mm-hmm. The air, it's just the air. Now, a long time ago, we used to think about it, the air and the wind. and the, um, Because I, I see the air as connecting, as, as one of the connecting cords of all of us, just like the water connects all of the dolphins. But... Um, See, now we need about three more shows because this is, it is, it's one of our favorite topics of you got to get off that. You can't, you can't deal with a painful emotion or a painfully emotional experience by looking the other way. It doesn't go away. It just sits there. No, and it's not to your advantage to do that because the emotion is actually serving a real function, and that's what she's talking about. That emotions are, they're our emotional body's way of communicating with us. They're telling us, and when it's painful emotions, what they're telling us is that some aspect of our deep being that is essential in our connection to the divine, in our staying whole in the divine, needs help right now. It's needing attention. It's needing support. And so the painful emotion is a communication asking you to take a particular action, to attend to something. And if you're just trying to get away from it or escape it, you're doing a disservice to yourself because you're not attending to something that you really need to be attending to. Or almost the worst, and I think perhaps what you meant when you said what we often do blocks us and cuts us off from that, is when we take it as an indication that it's time to beat up on ourselves. 
Or someone else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but have guilt or wrongness on ourselves or someone else. Right, that's what we do. We take that pain and we try to get rid of it by throwing it somewhere, either on another person, another situation, or on ourselves. We're objectifying ourselves in that case and, you know, making ourselves wrong, but it's still taking us away from what's actually going on with the pain itself. And that's, in some form or another, that's what most of us tend to do. Yeah, and it's... it's it's not just I, we pick on the law of attraction people because it's a spot where it shows up. And, and sure enough, if you listen or read long enough in Abraham materials or other law of attraction based materials, they cover very succinctly that the don't ever feel anything but bunnies and rainbows is baloney <clears throat> to not mince any terms. But um, but it's easy to do that at first glance, you know. You get what you think about, what you put out comes back, so, whoa, I can't, you know, I got out of bed and I feel, I don't know, I feel kind of depressed. This, oh, I can't, I don't, no, 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 happy, happy, happy. happy. Right, you must be doing something wrong, get it together quick. <laughs> I created this day, it's wonderful, look, there's the birds, it's a Disney movie. No, not yeah. today, for whatever reason, and uh, it just, I... I, I think everybody, you know, I used to say I, I don't understand how they, people don't get far enough in and, and see the fallacy of that. But I think people are starting to see the fallacy of that now of we can't just write all that off. Well, to me, this is actually a very rich area. And what I believe and what Mary talked about in one of the chapters, she very she actually talked about this specific thing in one of the chapters. And I, I was so impressed with how she did it because she did it with such love and compassion, not making anyone wrong, and yet bringing clarity and understanding to it. It was, to me, a mark of her, um, how evolved she is, <laughs> that she could do it in that way. but. What what I see is that this has everything to do with that divine feminine, divine masculine. Because the divine masculine, the way that, and of course, feminine masculine, these are, you know, archetypes. These are ideas that she's expressing through these words. And sometimes I say this because some people get their... We're not generalizing. That's right. We're not talking about men and women either. These are, it's much bigger than that. But the... Um, divine masculine ultimately is about um, the aspect of the divine that's the transcendent, that goes beyond all of manifestation, that's eternal, that's perfect, that's um, a lot of the terms that we, in, especially in religious traditions, that they use to describe you know, God or the divine that is what I would call and what Mary is referring to as the divine masculine. And that that is absolutely true. In, in, in an absolute sense, everything is perfect. Nothing needs to be changed. And the, the divine is beyond the, you know, all the changes, all the goods, bads, comings and goings, plain, right. pain, pleasure, all of that. That is one aspect what she calls one face of the divine and that's the divine masculine but there is also this other aspect of the divine and consequently of all reality which is the manifest divine and that comes in different 
frequencies and different vibrations, and those different frequencies and vibrations make up the different um, dimensions. And right now, we're experiencing it in most of us in the third dimension. And so it has its own qualities in the third dimension. And in the third dimension in manifestation, it's the divine in form. And with all the range of what that comes in, all the emotions, all the feelings, all the qualities, all the, the everything. And that's not perfect. That's the you you could call it imperfect, but it's it's everything. It's the whole range. And what the the vision that she's giving is that both are simultaneously true that there's this absolute perfection that goes beyond manifestation that is always true and there's the imminent reality that we live in that is simultaneously true they're not in conflict with each other in fact they're in union with each other and so we're doing a great disservice to ourselves if we cut off from one side or the other because that's our wholeness is both are true and so she's bringing especially the teaching about this divine feminine and how we can live that as well because relative to spirituality as well as most areas of our life, there has been this predominance of the masculine point of view. And that's where you get things like this point of view that, you know, you can't have anything bad, it's all good, you're manifesting it. Well, there is truth to that, but it's not the entire truth. And especially if it's divorced from the other side, then it starts to get wonky because it's out of balance. Sure, it's... It's the how could you do that? There's just get out of my sight. It, 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 it's some of that masculinity that that people have seen in the expression can sort of come from there. What right? It can if you know that everything's perfect judgment. and nothing is and everything is done and there's nothing to be done and then there's well you have no patience you have no compassion uh, and you end up being hard on everything that's less than that. Right, which would. Inevitably, being in 3D, include yourself. <laughs> That's right. Yourself and most everything else. <laughs> right, right. And it's, it's, it's just as out of balance as if, you know, you laid there and were a doormat and just let people do whatever they wanted because everything's, everything's perfect. So he's beating me up for a reason or whatever. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's, the extremes are always weird. Right. And um and we've had to go to a lot of extremes to learn that. <laughs> right. right. And well, you know, it's the other one of those divine type qualities of divine curiosity. You know, the 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 divine masculine wants to know everything. You tell the little kid 10 times that the stove's hot, don't touch it. Right, and the divine feminine wants to experience everything. Wants to, wants to. That's, that must be really. What's that feel like? <laughs> yeah. Ooh, let's try that one. <laughs> you know, and um, it's 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 funny. Our our good friend Veronica Torres that channels uh, Elohim and the Council. Uh, Elohim and Fred, two of the, they're just names. They they've gotten to the point where they've admitted none of them are really mean anything. But but are particularly easy to distract. Uh, Elohim will just look down. 
and see Veronica's hand and say, look, I could spend 20 minutes on that. Look at this. You can, you can do this, and this is fingernails. Those things are amazing. You smack them with a hammer, they turn black, they fall off, they come back. What? That's, wow. And and there is that quality to the vine, too, of everything is just, wow. And uh, But you don't get along very well and get very much done. And... Again, in 3D, we have Veronica and, and her crew calls it spacesuit maintenance. You know, you're in 3D. You got to breathe. You got to eat. You got to take a bath now and again. We hope. <clears throat> Check it out, people. The Essenes were big on sanitation and cleanliness. Yep. And uh, uh, I get that one sometimes too. We have we have a guest coming uh I'm, lead, I'm trying to lead towards a break and then we're going to talk about your website and your services and how people can find more about you and and the book but um we have a guest coming towards the end of the month that's going to talk about parasites mm. and um that even though it was when he was in medical school he's a medical doctor uh, they were basically told when they were studying that section the professor said you're never going to encounter this in the United States but I have to teach it you know and, right. and we don't have parasites here yeah no uh, and it, he doesn't think it was ever true anymore this doctor but certainly in today's world with jet airplanes and you know it, it's not true they're in the environment it's just part of the deal and and really, when you look at some of the ancient or older, um, you know, it doesn't have to be ancient, whatever that means to people, but you start looking 2,000 years ago, or in, even in indigenous populations today, right. some of their food rules or taboos would agree almost exactly with a parasite reduction or avoidance program. Um, pork is just more often infected than other meats. Sits mm-hmm. on the blacklist for several you know what if what if you had a time machine and you could go back and you loved these people because you'd been hanging out with them and and you knew what was going on because you know man i'm from 2012 we got cat scans for that um but what would you do you can't you can't tell them they don't they're not going to understand you know well, there's a protozoan in there that's getting into your bloodstream, and they're like, what? What? Evil spirits? What? And so, you know, what would you do? You'd make rules. You'd just say, don't eat that. It's not clean. And it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with pigs and that their pigs aren't supposed to be here. It just means that, you know, without some real care, that... They have a tendency to carry things. And, and and so to me, it's a demonstration that spiritual disciplines have always dealt with the body. It's it's part of that denial of the body to say that, you know, well, if I, if I had my spiritual stuff square, my body would just be perfect. Well, perhaps, because you'd. You'd act like your spirit was all together, so you would do certain things in different ways, you know. And the, I believe the environment would change too. But uh, uh, 
But they do. They get on me. They're like, how could that doctor can't have that? You're, don't be resisting that. I tell people, look, people, no thank you is not resistance. Resistance is freaking out about it. Anyway, um, we're going to take a brief break. We'll play our other prayer song. And uh, then we want to be sure we have lots of podcast listeners that may not be near a screen. I've been putting your links up in the chat room, and that will be up on our uh, archive after the show. Uh, but we want to be sure we call them out for all the uh, all the guys out there in podcast land. We love you all, too. So in honor of Jean and her absence, we will play one of her one of her favorites. We won't do the other Earth Prayer song. We'll do... Uh, Aquarius, a different, slightly different version of Aquarius. And if y'all were around when we were on break on, and on mute, Gene sings. It's loud humming, maybe. But anyway, uh, this is our good friend Jolene with Aquarius, and we'll be right back. Stay with us, folks. Everybody has a story, a moment in their life that was a turning point that set them upon a path of self-discovery and adventure. Here at Everyday Connection, we value the sharing of those moments, recognizing them to be the inspiring and uplifting gifts that they truly are. We would like to show our appreciation, not just to our guests and sponsors, but to our listeners and supporters who make it possible for us to share those stories. If you would like to support the continued success of Everyday Connection, share your own story, or know somebody whose story can touch the hearts of others, drop by everydayconnection.me and find out how you can become a part of our ever-expanding EC family.
everybody. Yeah, we were joking in the chat room about next time Jean's singing, just put her back on. But y'all can't hear it, but on this end, there's a really loud beep. And she's learned that that means I've turned the mute off, and so she gets real quiet real quick. So I've tried. I swear I've tried to catch her. (laughs) All right. Well, we had a caller, and we've lost him. But I guess area code 212 up there, uh, that's New York, I think. I don't know, 212-202. One of them's New York, one of them's Washington, D.C. I never can remember which is which. Um, but I think 212 is New York, so they may be having spotty phone service up there. Uh, still. So, and I don't see any answers to my any questions peeps in the chat room. So let's tell them about the website. I've got uh, been putting the links up in the chat room during the show. Uh, where can our podcast listeners find you? They can find me actually at two places. There's two websites, and they're linked, so you can get to one from the other also. But one is uh, my website, which is www.mercedeskirkle.com, and that's M E R. C E D E S K I R K E L dot com. And then the other one that's specifically about the book is Mary Magdalene Beckins dot com. And uh, that's M A R Y M A G D A L E N E B E C K O N S dot com. So either one works. Ah, uh, see there? I, I would have. I would have spelled the first one, but I wouldn't have spelled the second one for him. Well, you know, there's two different spellings for Magdalene. There is. There is. Yeah. And this is the one that I've always used, though. So. I think this is the more common one. Uh, but that's one of those I would have said, and that's spelled www.marymagdalenebeckins.com. But <laughs> <laughs> Great. But there's great information there, folks. There's a there's a great video that talks about some of the things we spoke about tonight on the uh, Mary Magdalene Beckins uh, site and uh, information about uh, Mercedes and and some of the things that she does when she's not writing books <laughs> at MercedesKirkle.com. And of course, we'll have those up on our archive after the show so that you can find all of that good stuff at EverydayConnection.me because. It's all about me. Whether <laughs> I said me or you said me or they said me, which, whichever me, it's all about me. Um, okay, well, now we have a caller again, and they have pressed one to raise their hand. So let's see if they have a question. That would be cool. We like questions. They're fun. Yeah. All right. Caller from 661. Tell us your name and your question. Hey, is that me? Uh, that would be you, I think. Okay. And if you can so my, mute or turn down the volume on your computer, because we're getting a bad echo. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. No problem. Better? Yeah, because now I don't have to listen to myself. <laughs> can you hear me? Welcome. So my question is this. I just 
returned from a pilgrimage to sacred wells, and I felt guided by Mary Magdalene to connect with the waters. And so it feels very resonant with your book title, The River of Love. Can you speak to that a bit? Um, well, water is often the element that's associated with the feminine. It's associated with love, nurturing, um, the waters of the womb, mother's milk. And so I, I that's the first thing that comes to me when you say that is that there's a definite connection in water and the stream of love and that we're being called to. And, uh, and the feminine in general, it's this very, you know, I believe, I relate to it as a very feminine, watery, immersion kind of experience, perhaps like the waters of the womb that we all have known before. And, and it's fluid and gentle and... Yes, but and em- emotions it too. Can, it can carve the Grand Canyon, but it does it very gently and fluidly. <laughs> That's right, and the result is great beauty. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, I, I had you on mute there for a second because we were still getting an echo. Um, but you're back now. Did you have some more clarification? No, I just, uh, well, maybe. I, I guess I was, I'm curious about the relationship between um, this Magdalene presence that beckons and the way in which we work with the water of the world or the waters of the world, and I didn't know if that question would speak to you. Hmm. Well, it sounds like that's something that you have a a real affinity for and a calling for. But uh, I think that the feminine is... It's very much a part of the elemental world altogether, but water especially carries that feminine quality. So to me, it feels very natural that water should be associated with the feminine and carrying those qualities, manifesting those. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. It's something I'm it's something I'm exploring, but anyway, thank you for your material. It's very moving. Oh, I'm so glad. I I feel like Mary so much wants to connect with people and when I hear that, you know, it it's made that connection, it just totally feeds me, warms my heart. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thanks a lot. All right, thanks for calling. Okay. Bye. All right. I would say so too that there's uh there's connection to the the planet because of its physicality, but but water just there's something about water. I'm not real sure precisely what it is. Maybe she can tell us when she writes her book. Yes. <laughs> um people I'm a, still an administrator at a Ning board and and people get frustrated with me cuz new folks to the board want to know where they should look to find 
they're it's a one of these starseed boards, and they want to know where to find their origin, or where to find their purpose, or where to find their you know. And I go, well, have you looked at the names of any of our groups? Any of them seem? Did any of them make you curious? Any? And and they're like, well, but I want to know what you think. And I go, well, I think that you should see which one makes you feel curious. <laughs> they get very frustrated with me. Yeah. But it 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 particularly if you've already recognized in yourself sort of a a pull in a direction. Go. See what pull that thread. See what you know, it's not like clothes. You're not going to lose your sweater because you pulled on the thread. You're going to mm-hmm. find something or it wouldn't seem that way to you. I think so many of us are in a process of starting to understand how spirit is communicating to us. And it's different than the ways we've been taught. It's not like someone, you know, looking you in the eyes and their mouth is moving or whatever. It's a, it's a different form that spirit calls to us. And I think more, more and more people are awakening to that, but it's a process of learning how to hear that new way. And emotions do have a lot to do with it. It, it, it is a communication system emotions but well this body is involved in that communication system I mean, right it's, it's visceral it's listen people we got nerves and you know salt in the water that's 70 percent it's big electrolyte it it's a magnificent thing the human body beyond what anybody in science has been able to figure out yet and that's magnificent enough what they've been able to figure out but um it was once told to me that, yes, everybody can channel or receive spoken or word-like messages if that's what they want to do. But particularly if you haven't been taking time to be quiet in your mind, whether it's through meditation or fishing or painting or whatever it is, does it for you, um, you can't really think two thoughts at the same time, much as we might think we do. We may think about a bunch of them right in a row, and we think we're thinking about two things, but you can't really think two thoughts at the same moment. So if your brain's just with thoughts, there's no space. Right. But you can be thinking a thought while at the same time having an emotion. Definitely. So no space in the thoughts, but you're also so busy thinking that you're probably not having too much of an emotional experience. Aha! <laughs> Here's space. Uh, one of my first... I, I've always had a resistance to meditation. Like there was something wrong with it. And I think it's just programming of some sort that I got told that, you know, being in a trance or something. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But a lot of people meditate in their own way. Like I said, it could be walking, jogging, exercising, painting, whistling. People do different things to find that quiet space. But it was Wayne Dyer that was talking about uh, some teacher had told him that it was the space between the words that was important. And he did this thing about meditation called get in the gap. And that's that was the whole message was get and in, in, there was like a sentence that he played with, and then he would like stop and you'd like see how long you could stay in the space without getting over onto the next word in your head. And it's kind of like that, you know. We just kind of make space, 
and um, and then there's inspiration can come in there mm-hmm. or insight or wisdom or a different perspective, however language you want to put on it. But uh, wouldn't wouldn't you say that that's it's important to it's important as well, just equally as important to understand this communication system, this this emotion thing that we have. Uh, you know, so I know some people they're just they're sitting in the corner meditating, waiting for words. You know, and I channel it. I'm telling you, I don't hear words. I just hear me talking. And it sounds like me to me. Other people say they can tell the difference, but it just sounds like me to me. Even when I play the recording, it just sounds like me to me. Hmm. So so there's weirdness enough for you, folks. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not saying it's not one of the really joyful. It, it's a very rich experience. It's a lot more than words. But, um, but there is guidance and communication from inside you coming all the time. Yes, I very much believe that. It never stops. And you go, you know, why won't my soul communicate with me? Nuh-uh. <laughs> I, time to get off that point, people. I don't mean to be cold or uncaring or masculine about it, but the communication's coming. And and it's generally getting through in some form or another. If you're waiting for it to be in some particular, it's got to be just like this. It's probably not ever going to quite fit that. Right. Is it the way you... Did you ever think about how it would be, and is it the way you thought it would be? Well, I went through a period of time where I had a very clear sense, and this um, this was before Mary Magdalene started coming to me. I had about a two-year period where I was shifting, and I was feeling unfulfilled by the work I was doing, and I had a sense that I was supposed to be moving into pure spiritual work and that it was going to involve channeling. But I did not know how to channel. I, You know, I had gotten these messages before that, like I said, were very simple. You know, it would just be like a one-line message or something. And I never knew when they would come, and they weren't that frequent. But I wanted to become what I call a conscious channel, which meant I could open up whenever I chose and it would be there for me. Right. And I didn't know how to do that. And um, I actually went to a workshop. I went to two workshops. Um, The first was from, this is the first time I went to a workshop by someone who did channeling. And I had a wonderful experience. And, um, And then at the end of that workshop, the teacher said they were going to be offering uh, a class in a year to teach people how to channel. And I was the first one that signed up. I practically raced to the back of the room (laughs) to get my name (laughs) on the list (laughs) because I was so serious about this. I wanted to learn. And from that time till the time of the workshop, I prayed every day that I would open up to channeling because I just didn't know how to do it. And, um, I think that really made a difference that I had such intention and I just asked for help for a long period of time. But when I went to this workshop, um, I was rather surprised because 
she taught a lot of different techniques of a lot of different, you know, avenues, inroads that people could use depending on you, your qualities, your strengths, what would work for you. And what I discovered was I was already strong in the majority of the things she was teaching. I already could do them. And I had never like given any credence to it. Like, well, oh, of course there's that, but everybody can do that. Oh, of course there's that, but everybody can do that. But I found at the workshop that I was already doing a lot more than most people who were there. <laughs> well, and it's it's like that in a way, people. It's natural ability. So if you've been doing it, you just think everybody does it. That's because right. you didn't do it on purpose. You've just been doing it. So everybody does that, don't thinks like that, don't they? Right. And maybe they don't. But anyway, it is. Um, I would encourage anybody that that really feels drawn like that to channeling, get in touch with Mercedes through her website. Get in touch with me through uh, Everyday Connection. Uh, I went to a workshop. Uh, I know a lot of channels that didn't. I know I know some channels that just started and they have they weren't even sure what they were doing. Uh, Jane loves to, well, she talks about it when I when I bring it up that you know particularly in I think it was her second book, um, her first and second book are almost entirely the second book book in particular is like entirely channeled and and uh, but for a while she had a friend that like. After she would write something, she would read it, and then she would go to her friend's house and say, read this. I can't say this. <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> and and her friend would always say, well, of course you can say that. You already did. And and uh, uh, so it is. It's, it's, I, I, I can say this. I had some, some preconceived notions in my head about what it might be like, and it, it's not like that. And um, And... The best people are doing it and brushing it off, probably. Uh, I know Esther talks about nine months of meditation before she started channeling by spelling words with her nose. Um, That was my time frame. I did that prayer for nine months before Mary Magdalene started coming to me. And But Abraham, in, in, in channeling, will say... She was getting. We were, we were making connections after a month or so, but she would brush it away because she. I'm meditating. I'm not supposed to be thinking. She would brush the thought away because it felt like her own imagination or her own thought. Right. Um, again, I like the way that Bashar explains telepathy is that you're, you become in vibrational sync, and. So you don't read the other person's mind. The exact same thought occurs to both of you at the same moment because you're in sync. Mm. And and it is a special thing. It doesn't just like go on all the time or nobody would have independent thought. But that that's what – that when he talks to through Daryl that he doesn't whisper in Daryl's ear or any of that other kind of stuff and that he doesn't project his thoughts and that Daryl's not reading his mind. It's mechanically, it's not any of those things. It, it really is sort of a a vibrational matching, uh, and it's a it's a third spot between the vibration of the two individuals that you just kind of 
create on the fly. And anyway, I it, it, mechanically, I I'm not sure there's a mechanical explanation, but you can use these metaphors, and it's not. I I know people that hear. I mean, I can hear channeling in my head now, but I couldn't at first when I was channeling. But I can now. I can have a conversation with Nestor now, but it's still not easy. It's easier for me to ask a question and then sit down and either record or type. Anyway, we've stretched a few minutes past our precise ending. That's we always schedule it that way so that we've got a little a little cushion. But it's been fantastic. Thank you for spending your time with us this evening. Well, and, thank you. I have enjoyed this very much. And I hope you will come back and, and see us again. And uh, Because I know that Jane's probably got some questions. She's like, why didn't you ask her this? <laughs> because it didn't occur to me. That's why you're you and I'm me. Um, everybody, I hope you can join us on Tuesday evening where we're going to have Dr. Coy Cross join us. Um, I think that's going to be a very interesting show. He's a historian, uh, some university published historical tomes. And then um, instead of the detached historian observer, he uh, his wife came down with cancer and he wrote a book about the whole experience. And uh, I think that's going to be a wonderful show. So I hope you can join us on Tuesday. Have a wonderful weekend. And until then, stay connected. Good night, everybody. We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, visit our website at everydayconnection.me. And please like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection. Think you might miss an episode? No problem. Subscribe to our show on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection. to ask the biggest question of your life the only question before that question how do you find the perfect ring to ask it with with the incredible selection of diamonds at jared and our price match guarantee you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love visit your local jared store today and dare to be devoted we promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer see jared.com price match for details So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.